Blog Talk Radio. Here's my August column. Let me read it first. 
then I'm going to talk again in a little bit more detail about this particular uh, column because I think it is significant. Um, so the column is called, the snake oil is called Becoming Who We Are. I started working on a project that I had planned to do over a year ago. My youngest sister is turning 50 in August of this year, so I decided to make a mini fun book of pictures and photos of her life. Typical of my continuing role of mildly antagonistic big brother in this life and a true Sagittarius, it would be funny, sarcastic, and a little obnoxious. The goal of getting my sister and other family members who get to see it to laugh extremely hard was something I knew from previous experience that I could pull off. Playful joking has always been a part of my family and a glue that connects my relationship with my siblings and many of my close friends. When I'm around my siblings, often a good portion of our time together is significant deep talks, but we also like to really playfully poke fun at each other. When my parents sold the house we all grew up in 22 years ago, I went back to New York and took a small amount of books, notebooks, journals, and tremendous amount of artwork from my childhood back with me to my new home in Arizona. There was a lot of material, and it was difficult to leave so much of it behind. I still have that large box of early creativity, so I had lots of material to use for my project. I found some funny pictures on the net and sifted through my box full of artwork to do my sister's roast. I was an art major for two years in high school and for another two years in college, and artistic talents and a number of creative skills were something that I showed at a very young age. I was especially good at caricatures. I'd done lots of drawings of family members, friends, celebrities, and written a number of comic strips, plays, mini books, magazines, and a number of short stories. I was clearly reminded that I have always been a storyteller and a performer in one form or another. I also found sheet music from my childhood. I played the organ and was actually becoming good at it from about the ages of 10 to 13. It was fun to do this project and looking at my childhood art and photos. I found myself laughing a lot. My often absurd sense of humor was always bizarre and quite possibly brilliant. What really struck me during the process was how good I really was at so many different creative things. I found a drawing that I had only finished halfway, that I did at about the age of 13, of Mork and Mindy, uh, late 70s and early 80s sitcom with Robin Williams. I wrote This Sucks underneath it. I never finished it. Looking at it now, I can see that it was actually quite good, and it looks exactly like both of them. There was a darker part of digging up my past. It was I was tremendously self-deprecating back then. I feared I was not talented and that there were many things wrong with me. I had notebooks from my teen years and wonderful stories and incredibly creative ideas. It also had pages of notes filled with doubts, fears, sadness, and a fear of inadequacy. I feared I wasn't talented at all. I feared I was not attractive. I was afraid of expressing my sexual identity. I wondered if I would ever be lovable. The strange contrast in all of this was I was very popular. A lot of people were drawn to me. I had a lot of friends and a few of them that clearly had crushes on me. Still, this negative fear of self-worth tainted many good times. I sometimes protected myself by wishing or trying to be invisible or pretending that I didn't care about what others thought of me through a veil of indifference. 
I frequently remind my clients that the blocking force in our lives is not a lack of purpose, skills, or talents, but usually two specific fears that limit our ability to use our talents and to comfortably be who we are. The development of chief negative feature, fear, usually begins to take hold of us at around the ages of 12 to 13. Sometimes it surfaces a little earlier or later, but it always comes. There are seven fears or chief negative features. Most people end up eventually settling with two of these fears in a noticeably strong way or a milder way, but they're typically quite hard to avoid entirely. Of the seven fears, one, self-destruction, which is a fear of a lack of control, often triggered by extreme abandonment experiences. Two, greed. A fear of lack, often triggered by receiving substitutes for what one really needs and later forming specific fixations. Number three, self-deprecation. A fear of inadequacy, often triggered by excessive criticism and doubts about ever being able to measure up. Number four, arrogance. A fear of vulnerability, often triggered by criticism and shame around being good enough. Number five, martyrdom. A fear of victimization, often triggered by people who take advantage of a disposition of early talents and strengths. Number six, impatience. A fear of being victimized by time, often triggered by parents who have the very same fear. And number seven, stubbornness. A fear of change, often triggered by not preparing children in a healthy way for change. This fear has the added benefit, quote, of sliding at times to the other six fears. One or two of these primary fears will take root during childhood, and usually by the time we reach around 19 or 20, after playing with some or all of them, we settle on a primary and secondary fear. They become a part of who we are. One of the good things about this project and digging through my past was seeing how much I have changed for the better. Now I have very little fear. I don't doubt my self-worth. I'm very confident in the way I look, speak, and know that I'm loved. I'm even more talented and comfortable expressing those talents. The path of my life and what it was meant to do, my dharma, direction karma, was right in front of me all along. My work with astrology and numerology helped me to see even more clearly the specific talents, skills, and challenges I had set up for myself in this lifetime. Yet it was the work I did in my mid-20s and my 30s for recognizing and overcoming my fears and chief negative features that account for my present success, and happiness. I have many clients who are still searching for what they are meant to do in this life. Some are in their 20s, and some are in their 60s. They often suggest they look at their natural inclination skills and the talents they showed when they were younger. Some people are like me and meant to express themselves creatively. Some people have natural skills at parenting, taking care of animals, being diplomatic, are physically beautiful, or drawn to sculpting strong bodies talented photographers, problem solvers, have an ability to lift people up, remain strong in crisis, or good with numbers, find others the right homes, make other people laugh. The list of talents people can have and use are far too long to list. For many people, career paths are less of the priority and other things take precedence. They may be focused on overcoming illness or disabilities, being really good friends and support to others inspiring people by overcoming obstacles. We may even be meant to change course at different points in our lives. Many of us are mutable, 
and of multiple potential paths we can take. The problem has never been that everyone isn't completely unique and doesn't have specific skills and abilities that the world needs in a small or a big way. The problem is fear begins to block each of us early on and may still hamper many of us today. The clouds of fear can keep us from expressing our true selves. People tend to tenaciously hold on to their fear and fight to keep hugging their cactus. Sometimes the fear of parents, guardians, and teachers push us away, push us away from our natural inclinations. We end up allowing those fears to become our own. No matter what age or place you are in your life, the fears that block our purpose can be overcome. Besides, finding your life path and purpose is really a process, not a category. It's never too late, and at any time we can choose to face and release the control of fear and become the person we were truly meant to be. Okay, so that was this month's um, uh, snake oil column. Um, I, I would uh, I got a couple of people jumping into into the call docket here. Um, this is a, a column read show, so I don't take live calls uh, during column read shows. Uh, as I mentioned before, I will uh, be doing that in two weeks when I do my astrology update shows because I do take live calls in the last 20 minutes to half hour of those shows. So if you're calling in for a mini reading today, that is not going to be an option. Uh, we, we will not have the time to do that. Okay, so thanks for the calls, but uh, can't take live calls for column read shows. Uh, okay. Talk a little bit more about the column here. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess in some ways I was lucky. Uh, a lot of people tend to think um, of, of me as being kind of a lucky person. I guess because, again, early on, I, I really had a lot of really natural talents, abilities, and, and things that were um, uh, clear dispositions that I had. Now, I, I won't say that those were necessarily honored by my family. Um, I, I was considered very weird as a child from my absurd sense of humor, my focus on spirituality, my weird interest in odd things, my writing and, and artistic and creative skills. Um, you know, sometimes they were laughed at, sometimes it was poked fun at being kind of a weirdo, which ergo was what began my process of developing uh, the chief negative features of, of, of arrogance and, and self-deprecation, uh, which is both basically actually the same fear, interestingly enough. When children are judged and compared or teased or, or uh, being pushed at some level to believe they are unworthy or odd or weird or something's wrong with them, uh, they develop either arrogance or, or self-deprecation um, because of that fear of vulnerability, that fear of criticism. You know, in the case of arrogance, what you actually find is rather than, than put up with the abuse and the bullying and, and the being made to feel like there's something wrong with you, you, you polish yourself like a diamond. You become pretty. You become talented. You become smart. You, you polish yourself so that no one can criticize you. Uh, and and that, so it, it has its positive pole in, in pride and its negative pole in vanity. Um, uh, so it has a value, although ultimately in the larger picture it can become problematic as well because, again, um, it can often be hard to get close to people or to put your guard down or your barriers down uh, for fear of that vulnerability. And the other tack that many people take with that same uh, dynamic going on during childhood is to develop self-deprecation, which is the same thing, criticized uh, and, and feeling inadequate and there's something wrong with you. So rather than polish 
a personality or a self that cannot be criticized, you kind of dive in and just sort of go along with the idea that there's something wrong with you. It's like the Woody Allen syndrome <laughs> to like the magnificent levels of, of self-deprecation where you, you, know, you hide in photographs, you, you, don't, you, know, you can't handle compliments. You, you know. And that's one of the things that's very tough for people that develop self-deprecation, by the way, is you, you often are very uncomfortable when you're complimented. And then what ends up happening is the people around you stop complimenting you because they feel it's making you uncomfortable, which then hurts you further. So, yeah, the, these, are, these are doozies in that sense, but they're very common. I have a lot of clients that have arrogance or, or self-deprecation as the primary or secondary fear. Um, so more about that in a minute. But, you know, for me, um, again, that was interesting about doing this project because when, uh, when I'm going through all this old artwork and these notebooks and these stories, and, and there's a ton of it, and I left tons of it behind when I moved from, uh, from New York to Arizona 26 years ago. I had to leave a lot of it behind because my parents were selling the house and all these books and things I wrote. and did. There's just so much I could take back with me, so I took maybe a best of bird of it, um, and that was a difficult concern because I flew back. Um, much was left to, to be thrown away. But I, I see this now. Like it was like, man, did you really were quite talented in, in, in multiple ways. You know, thankfully because I started working on, this, uh, on, on my chief negative feature stuff uh, uh, at, at, you know, 2021, I began to read about this concept and began to work on it. You know, by the time I got into my late 20s, early 30s, I had overcome a lot of this. And now that I'm, you know, in my early 50s, you know, it, it still gets me from time to time, but really, it really kind of doesn't. Uh, it, it's interesting to live really mostly not in fear at all. I kind of don't because I worked on this, and, and it's allowed me to be a lot happier and more comfortable and, and more successful. Now, um, the, 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 like I was talking about in the piece, there are seven primary fears. People will typically... Um, uh, they will, they will usually get what I call primary fear and then a backup or a secondary fear. Um, some people will have three or four of them, you know, and people have them in different degrees. So let's kind of run through those a little bit because I think that they in themselves are, are, are um, really worth talking about a bit. Uh, I'm running a promotional special this month for clients, whether in area or out of area by phone, uh, if you want information on that, uh, that came out in my last newsletter. I probably should have put it on my website, but I don't think that I did. Um, again, best to get my column so you get those specials that I occasionally run mailed to you directly. But I am doing a special, a discounted special on the Chief Negative Feature Sessions to recognize what they are and begin to clear them. But um, so let's, in a nutshell, kind of talk about these. So I, I mentioned arrogance and, and, and self-deprecation, which are like I said, both based on um, scrutiny and judgment uh, at a young age, which is, you know, typically when that happens, you will develop either uh, arrogance or, or self-deprecation. Uh, self-deprecation, by the way, has its positive pole as humility and its negative pole as abasement. And if anyone um, isn't familiar with what the word abasement means, it's like think about what it sounds like being in the basement, in other words, it's like you, you don't, you know, you take the lowest position in that sense often in life because of that lack of self-worth. 
Um, and then with arrogance, the negative pole, of course, is vanity, which is the assumption that everyone is scrutinizing you constantly still, <laughs> which is often not the case. You know, people are not necessarily paying attention. Um, you know, a lot of arrogant people get almost too polished where people are afraid to approach them because they become too in shape or too smart or too pretty or, you know what I mean? And then, you know, and by the way, the only truly, the only people that are really truly shy are actually people who have the arrogance fear, interestingly enough. Uh, and that's something I can elaborate more on, but I shan't, shan't, it's a nice word, uh, because I don't have the time at the moment. Okay, so the other ones, greed and self-destruction. Both of these fears are based on uh, a fear of lack of control at one level or another. Um, in the case of self-destruction, its positive pole, by the way, is sacrifice. Its negative pole is suicide. People with a self-destruction dragon, typically, if they don't get hold of it, or I sometimes call chief negative future dragons, uh, if, if you hear me say that, that's why I do it. If people don't get hold of that particular fear, Yes, inevitably they slowly or quickly kill themselves or, or, or take themselves down in that sense. Uh, it's a very real thing uh, in obvious ways. Uh, it's positive polar sacrifice, of course, negative suicide. That one um, stems from um, uh, severe abandonment issues from childhood. Sometimes a literal one is abandoned. Uh, sometimes it's the abandonment of sanity uh, and other elements of cruelty um, that can come into play. But uh, most people who develop the self-destruction fear have had um, really pretty horrible abandonment issues uh, that they've had to contend with. I always tell people that almost anybody who becomes an addict in any real way, in a long-term way, has had some type of abandonment issue from childhood. That is why they also become addicted, uh, addicted personality. So, uh, and that, that fear is based on a fear of lack of control. So the other one is greed, which in some ways is similar, also fear of lack. Um, the greed dragon often also surfaces, or, or chief negative feature, surfaces from people going through experiences of often abandonment also, but the differences are often abandoned and then given substitutes. So for instance, if you need love and affection and acknowledgement from mom or dad, but are given nannies or people to replace them, or have parents that are particularly cold, uh, but then buy you a car when you're 16 or give you cake or other forms of substitutes to make you feel better in that sense rather than giving you what you actually really need. Um, this is often where the greed dragon um, or, or chief negative feature surfaces from. Um, its positive pole is appetite. Its negative is ferocity. Uh, meaning people with greed often have high appetites. They enjoy things more than other people do. Uh, on the negative side, uh, veracity is, is no fulfillment. Uh, I have mentioned this in a previous show once. I believe that, you know, years ago when the show Sex and the City was on, the main character, Carrie Bradshaw, had a mild case of the, the greed fear, a greed dragon. Um, she at times had trouble paying rent or her bills or making it, but she made sure she had Bologna, Bologna Bolonic, I may be pronouncing that wrong, shoes, $2,000, $3,000 shoes. But that became an element of substitution at one level or another. So the greed dragon can, can fixate on, on multiple things. Some people, it's the addiction to food or alcohol or uh, you, there's people who have this greed element who are addicted to uh, uh, to getting a better job or uh, they can't be satisfied with one relationship. They always have to get a better mate. There becomes a fixation at one level or another 
that can operate differently for different people, but the effect is ultimately the same, which is you often lose because you fear you're going to lose anyway. So that is the other one. And they're all about even, by the way. The, the most common of the fears is actually stubbornness, which we'll talk about last. Uh, but otherwise, they're evenly divided among human beings across the planet. Um, so the other two are martyrdom and impatience. Now, martyrdom has a positive pole as, um, oh, I have to think about this for a minute, um, the positive pole of, of martyrdom is selflessness. Um, the ability, the negative is uh, mortification. So the, the martyrdom pattern is interesting because what you actually have with martyrs is they actually are early developers as children. They're often incredibly sharp, smart, uh, good at things. They often show very early stages of, of adulthood and quick development. What ends up happening is rather than get rewarded by family or guardians or people in general because you are so smart or you are such a, a successful child, you're put down for it. You're, you're, you're made to feel bad that you're outshining the parent or you're showing off. or you're. So uh, what ends up happening with this dragon, of course, is this tenacious ability to keep trying to get anyone that criticizes you or is abusive of you to love you no matter what by being overly selfless. You know, I, I, there's mothers who will stay up all night cooking in a bake sale um, and then complain that they didn't sleep because they had to keep cooking because they wanted to make a good show at school because, they, you know, their kid's getting taken advantage of or they are. Or, you know, there's a whole pattern behind this. Uh, but unfortunately for martyrdom, the negative pole of mortification is really tough because you do have circumstances where you can truly say, I really got abused. Um, I, I just remember years ago when, when the show Will and Grace was on, there was at one point where both the characters of, of Jack and, and, and Grace were arguing about who had a, 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 a more terrible childhood and a worse father. And they were going back and forth with stories about who was the worst one and who was the worst one. And then finally Jack says something unbelievably terrible about how he was treated. And Grace sort of says, you win. And you kind of look at him and he's like, he has that feeling of, like, victory, but another level, it's like, I'm not really sure I really wanted this prize. The other one is the biggest loser in the sense that I had the most abuse. Very funny kind of writing, but it really does bring up that point of that fixation. So what ends up happening for martyrdom is the fear of being victimized is so strong that you unconsciously keep bringing terrible people to you who then ergo take advantage of you. Um, the other one, of course, is impatience, a very common fear um, Often the impatience dragon or fear is developed from having a parent or parents that had it. Um, so it's developed almost, you know, uh, sometimes even in the womb where you, the parent is impatient about pushing you out and having that experience. You know, impatience has its positive pole as daring and its negative pole as intolerance. So uh, it's very easy to spot because impatient people tend to be very bold, very daring, Risk takers, very strong. Uh, on the negative side, of course, is they're in a constant battle with time. You're never there early enough. You're, you're there too late. You're, you're, you know, you're behind. You're, you're, not, you know, you're never on track. You know, I, the joke, I've jokingly said this before, that impatience can feel like it's sort of like trying to rush a bowel movement. I mean, the body's going to go when the body's going to go. There's nothing you can do about it in that respect. So impatient people are often very frustrated with people around them moving too slow or if you're frustrated with yourself. You know, it tends to kind of make you sort of have more accidents in, in a 
even in a practical way. It's like, you know, you're looking for your keys obsessively while they're in your hands, banging your kneecap against the coffee table because you're racing out the door, burning the roof of your mouth because you swallowed your coffee too fast and it was too hot, choking because you ate too fast. You know, it, it, you're just battling time all of the time, so to speak, in that sense. So very tough dragon, a very common one. A lot of Americans show a certain dynamic of this to begin with. And the last of the dragons of fears is stubbornness. And stubbornness has its positive pole in determination. Its negative pole as obstinacy. Um, stubbornness is pretty typical patterning also. Um, you know, uh, children are not prepared for change. Say the parents are moving, and rather than help the kid understand that process, they, they, they know the kid's going to throw a fit, so they don't tell the kid until the day they're moving. Or, or themes like that that leave a child later on traumatized by any type of change. Um, often children who develop this stubbornness fear or have notable stories about sitting at the dinner table, being told they're not leaving that table until they eat their broccoli. And you better believe that kid sat there for eight hours until the parent finally said, just go to bed because that kid did not eat. So this becomes a game of obstinacy at one level or another. It's very interesting because not everyone that is uh, a Trump supporter, of course, is going to fall into this category. But many do. Uh, I see there's a very strong theme of, of stubbornness that's there, even with this concept of making America great again. Um, nice idea, except that I think a lot of the America they're talking about is it, gone. <laughs> You're looking for a 50s, 60s America that, that just is, isn't that way anymore in that sense. There's, there's lots more minorities and gay people and lesbians and, and, and women are different and you know, the world has changed. So for many of them, again, not all, um, there's other elements to that that I won't get into um, at this point um, for obvious reasons, but there's a stubbornness which, again, is that fear of change. Now, stubbornness as a fear, again, positive pole, determination, negative pole, obstinacy. You know, stubborn people will, I had a client once that had severe stubbornness who was going through a process of, of, of separation with his wife, and she wanted to divorce, and he was not allowing it. He was not going to have a divorce. And I had said to him, do you want to be with her? Do you love her? And he said, no, I actually can't stand her. It's the principal thing. She's not going to be the one to make me leave this marriage. And I had to look, and, and I kind of laughed, and I said, dude, listen, think about what you're saying. You're fighting for something you actually want. You know, <laughs> in a sense, you know, you're fighting against something you actually want because no one's going to tell you what to do. Uh, stubbornness, you know, this, this tenacious obstinacy that can come up. And the positive side, people that are stubborn often have a tenacity about them toward things as well. So stubbornness also has the added effect of sliding meaning a person can slide to, they'll often have one or two favorite sliding pot spots. Stubborn people can be stubbornly self-deprecating. You can be stubbornly martyred. You can be stubbornly self-destructive. You know, it's like the, uh, trying to take the car keys away from a drunk person who keeps clearly drunk and dangerous, continuing to tell you no, they can drive, and even fighting you on it. When it's like, you're going to get killed or go to jail. No, you won't tell me that I'm too drunk. Well, you are drunk. No, you won't. You won't. Okay. Uh, so there, there's a tenacity behind it in that way that that can actually, in some cases, be quite dangerous. I mean, a person could be stubbornly impatient, weirdly enough, in that sense as well, too. It's interesting when we look at these. But 
you know, hopefully if you've listened to this, you've probably got kind of a handle already on on some of these 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 fears that may be influencing you. And then, you know, on the positive side, you'll also see that there are some that don't apply at all. Uh, you know, when, when I, I don't, I have very little self-destructiveness to me. I have very little to almost none of the greed dragon. It's not really my thing. I don't really do stubbornness either. You know, mine tends to be, when I had it in, in heavy doses, it's very mild now at best, um, with impatience and, and arrogance more so for me. So people have different degrees of this um, and how they affect. So hopefully that gave you some insight in, in w- what this is about. Again, I do personal work with people on this, incredibly beneficial. It's just been amazing to help people move through these things because I just get to watch how their lives change. Because what's happening when you get the fear out of the way and you allow yourself to be in the best possible sense, you will then really become aware of all the amazing talents, abilities, and things that you have at your disposal. You know, I've, I've often had that where people have said, well, I wasn't as lucky as you. I look at my childhood and I, I can't remember having any natural inclinations toward things or dispositions toward anything, and I always say hogwash. Not true. Think about it. I mean, you know, not everyone is creative. Sometimes it's like I had said in the piece. Sometimes it's that you were um, be calm, cool, and collected in crisis, even as a child. That's a talent, you you can overcome obstacles and difficulties and, and be uh, strong for other people. Uh, some people just had great voices and, and maybe are meant to do work that way. Uh, some people were naturally amazingly good parents. When they played house as a kid, they may have played mother or father and, and been good at it, even as a kid in that sense. And maybe that's a big part of life purpose is to raise children or to affect children that way. So, you know, we all have these dispositions and things, but again, like I had said, often what happens is these fears begin to come in and then they throw us off track in a lot of ways because that's what, what the fears do is they throw you away often from your natural inclinations or ability or make you in fear about doing it um, or, or being who you truly are. And, and that's a problem. But the good news is this, you know, fear, chief negative feature, dragons, whatever your terminology for it, it's not actually a part of you, meaning you, for the most part we're not born with it. Um, you're not born, you're not a child that was a born martyr. You developed it at some point during your childhood and into early adulthood. So the good news is if you did, you also can get rid of it or at the very least, at least weaken it. That's often what I tell my clients when I work with them. You're not necessarily getting rid of it entirely. You're just leaning more toward the positive pole of its expression and also minimalizing its influence in that respect. I know I, I worked on my impatience uh, many, many times throughout my, my the last uh, 20 years or so. And, um, you know, I, I caught myself recently driving like a lunatic again, getting very, very irritated with other drivers and, like I'd be coming back from the gym and I'm trying to get home as quick as I can. Even Meanwhile, I don't even have an appointment for three hours. I'm just going to get home, make lunch, watch TV for an hour, and take a nap. And I'm racing to get home to that. And then the light bulb comes on. It's like, dude, you're turning into a lunatic again, which, by the way, was my mother. As a kid, driving with my mother was hair-raising, more boring on, on, on terrifying. <laughs> and that's just cursing other drivers, being very frustrated by people, walking really fast in the supermarket as a little kid running after her. So I learned it. 
so I, I see this creeping back up with me, and, 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 and it sucks. Because like you, it's like you eat a meal, but you didn't even enjoy the meal. Because you don't even remember. Because you're eating a meal, and you're thinking about the fact that you've got to balance your checkbook, that you've got to get to work in an hour, and you're not even enjoying the moment, which is what impatience will do. It's, it ruins the moment. Um, and, and, and just messes up your timing. So, again, I had worked on this, and then here it is creeping back in a little bit with me again, and I'm starting to do it, and I almost had a car accident a week ago, dodged it by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin, or go positive pole of impatience daring. The ability to just maneuver it where I want to get into the detail. It's crazy. I, I, by inches, I dodged a horrible accident to my car because I'm that quick. But on the other end, I was starting to think about it, and I'm like, I've been driving for the last week or two and being mad, being irritated, being annoyed with drivers. And why are there so many people in Phoenix? It's the summer. Most used to be snowbirds would move in the summer and it would be dead in the summer. And tons of people are here and the roads are full and I'm so irritated. And everyone's driving stupidly. And oh my God, relax, bro. <laughs> Just listen to the radio, drive your car. You know what I mean? Like, you know. You know, on the other end, it's funny because I, I, I go on vacation in a couple of days to Vegas like I do every two months, and I'm going to actually drive this trip. And it's funny because, like, I love to drive. I don't really actually race so much when I'm driving because I actually like to drive. I'll go about seven miles over the speed limit because that's what you, you can do that legally without getting a ticket or an accident within reason. But um, I don't really speed the way other people do. I see people doing 190. Oh, God, I'm not doing that. I have a Prius anyway. I ain't going to go that fast. But <laughs> truth of it is, I don't want to speed. I like the trip. It's not a four and a half, five hour drive. I, I like it. It's cold when I go through Wickenburg. Um, you know, just going through the different terrain in the desert, knowing I'm eventually going to get there. Um, you know, I've really worked on this. I can be really mellow about how I do things. Once in a while, those fears get me again, so to speak, and, and I get caught in that grip, and it ruins. Yeah, you know, that's why in the piece I called it hugging your cactuses, which is. That tendency that we have to to hold on to the bad thing as if somehow it's valuable, um, you know what I mean, and and that ultimately is is not is not going to uh, be of, of of any real value uh, in that respect. We we, we it, it just causes blockages, even though the fear voice continues continues to tell you that it's helping you. Well, it always does. It's always that voice of it's helping you, it's keeping you safe, and, you know, it, oh, God, you know, just insanity. Because it's not. It's the very thing that's making you suffer. So, you know, the other thing I mentioned in the piece, I want to bring this up as we get ready to finish up here for our show. I can't believe how fast the time went. Um, uh, patience quote. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it in a negative way. But, um, you know, that's one of the things that's fascinating about astrology, charts, and numerology, and things of that nature that I often tell people is when you understand your astrology, your numerology, things like that, that's another way of seeing your natural talents, abilities, dispositions. I mean, the stuff that you put together, your dharma in this life, the direction your higher self wanted you to go. Um, so those can often very easily be seen through a, a good astrology chart, analysis and numerology and things of that nature are, are very significant that way. You know, plus on top of it, we often can develop talents and abilities. I mean, I, I had a natural inclination toward music at some levels. I could have gone the, that road um, as well. I never did. I, I have a very strong singing voice. Uh, I love music. I know a lot about it. But, you know, it's like a secondary thing or, a, you know, a third thing in part of who I am that I could have pursued. And, you know, maybe down the line I will. But 
I think that's what I remind people of. A lot of us are mutable. You have a lot of roads you can go in that respect, and, and we may change gears in life, and that's good too. But the good news behind all of this is this. No matter where you are, no matter how old you are, you know, it's never too late to really get in touch with who you are and what you were ultimately meant to do. Uh, we always can. You can you can renounce, be aware of chief negative future, put it to the side and allow yourself to be who you are uh, in that respect. Uh, I, I know for me, having, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I was leaning toward that self-deprecation perception early on, and then it sort of switched itself over in my mid-teen years more toward arrogance, and I started working out and getting really in shape and polishing the way I spoke and, and just, be, you know, working on becoming as pretty as I possibly could be, and, and um, I, I, did a pretty, I did a pretty good job of it, but, you know, what I found out later on in life that was, was kind of interesting was, like, sometimes when I was out and about, a lot of times people are fearful of talking to me because they see me as unapproachable. Interesting. You know, the very thing that you, you were, were guarding against ends up kind of happening. So um, it, it, it had a value for me, but at another level, um, it, it really, um, it, even when I was in my, my, my early 30s and I had my first really long-term, very intimate, uh, equal partnership relationship, I struggled early on with that about the vulnerability of it. Uh, where I'm, I'm much more comfortable with that now. Uh, you know, people laugh because I I can talk about any mistake or anything in my past with humor. I don't carry shame with me the way that I did when I was younger. I think the mistakes we make, so to speak, are what make us smarter. How else would you have learned had you not walked through it? So uh, anyway, um, looks like, again, we're, we're kind of out of time here already. A um, couple of different things. Um, I will be here in two weeks doing an astrology update show. I haven't done one in a month, so I'm glad I'm finally going to do that. But we'll be able to take some live calls uh, about halfway through the show, which means about 20 minutes, a half hour. Uh, at the end of the show, I'll be able to take a few callers. And a quick little question, pull a, 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 you know, a, a uh, astrology question or numerology question or pull a tarot card or two or runestone or animal totem or angel card message, whatever um, I feel uh, is most uh, important to give people quick insight. Uh, they have to be short, of course. So that will be in two weeks. That show is booked, so we will be doing it. Um, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, uh, my snake oil column, email me at venturesatch at yahoo.com. All the information is on Blog Talk. Again, you can get a lot of this info, of course, at my website at jimventura.com. You know, one of the benefits, of course, of getting the column is is when I do specials, uh, discount specials and things of that nature, you'll be able to access them because you're getting the direct mailer. Um, otherwise, you don't know. Um, you can also do an I like on my fan page on Facebook as well, too. Again, all the info, all in my uh in my, in my website, but easy enough to track. Um, plus, you get to read the columns in my books because these are my books, and you get to read it before they become books. So another benefit that way. Okay, been a great show. Been great talking about this subject. I look forward to being back uh, in another two weeks and doing another show. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate all the callers. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you today, but if you did listen to the show, you'll see why. Uh, it's a 45-minute show, I, and a lot of times I'm not able to get as much information as I'd like to. In a session, if I take calls, it's got to kind of chop that out uh, for the information for everybody. But uh, thanks again for, for joining me today. Until uh, next time, happy August. Happy birthday to all my uh, Leo friends, and we'll catch up next